I miss my cousin Edgar. It happened again, breathing heavy, hands trembling. Tap, tap, I hear. I hate when this happens. I look to the floor of my bedside to find a half-empty bottle of Jose Cuervo. This is why I drink, to avoid the god-awful AM hours. On the nightstand sits a small alarm clock. The time reads 3.46 AM. Eager to fall asleep after a hard day's work, I must have gulped down the bottle and passed out. Shit. I'm usually a lot better at this. Pacing is your friend. I remind myself. You see, I picked up the habit after it all happened. After it all went to shit. Since that night, I've been wallowing mess. Some nights are better than others, I guess. I take what I can get. My doctor thinks it's healthy for me to socialize. So I'd like to make a confession to you. I'm afraid of the dark, yes. I'm fearful of the dark. Stupid, I know. I can't help to think about the time my cousin Edgar was taken from us. Taken by La Vela de Cristal, as we call it, which translates to the glass candle. I can no longer imagine a life without the candle. It has consumed my life. It has taken everything. It all started three years ago. I remember receiving a text that day from Edgar. What's up, fool? You down to kick it later? The homies are bringing bottles tonight. We're gonna get fucked up, man. I laughed. Sure, what time? He replies. Swing through around seven. My is making margaritas. Don't miss it. That day was like most days in Southern California. Amazing. Beautiful blue skies were on the horizons. Birds chirping. And the outside of my bedroom window was the sound of lawnmowers starting up. Yep, this is California. About an hour before the party, I got a text from Edgar. Hey! Hmm, I wonder what it could be, I reply. What is it? He replies back. Just get over here, fool. Okay, I'll be there in a few, I reply. This time is 6 p.m. and I had just gotten ready. It's time to head out. I depart from my one-bedroom apartment and hop into the old car. I love driving. I find so much peace when the wind is blowing through my fingers as I make a waving motion outside my driver's side window. Playing some old tunes on the way. I'm almost there. Suddenly my music cuts out. Silence. Then I hear a soft Hey through the speakers. What the fuck? I reach in closer. I can hear my tunes at a barely audible level. I decide to shut it off. Upon arriving, I notice a couple of trucks I don't recognize parked outside of his driveway. Two beat up trucks, to be exact. I notice one is missing a rear door, and on the bed, I spot a muddy shovel laying alongside a pair of work boots. Edgar's a social guy, but prefer to run in small circles i never seen these trucks before. Maybe distant family? Oh yeah, about his family. He grew up in the classic tale that's all too familiar in this neighborhood in LA. His dad was a drug addict and left as soon as he was born. Fuck him, as Edgar would say. 
His mom was another story altogether. Straight nutcase. Anyone who's familiar with Edgar knows not to mention it, and for good reasons. It would not be uncommon for her to go on four to five day meth binges. The longer she binged, the more shit Edgar would have to take. Walking home from school one day, Edgar noticed their front door was propped open. The whole place was trashed. He heard his mother's voice coming from down the hall, weeping. As he approached his mother's bedroom, he noticed her standing still, dressed in a bathrobe, smeared makeup on her face. Mama? He said hesitantly. No response. He noticed an object in her hand. The object was a shotgun. She quietly gave a hey, and poof. She was gone. Blood smeared the bedroom walls, leaving Edgar dumbfounded and traumatized. He picked up the landline and dials 911, his hands barely able to dial due to the blood and sweat drenching down his fingers. Fast forward to the party, slash kickback. I knocked on the front door and no one answers. I faintly hear music coming from the distance. Sounds like it's coming from the backyard. Is that banda music? I always gave that guy shit for being so paisa, as we call it. I yell out, yo Edgar, where you at? I hear him laughing in the background. Over Over here, here, fool, fool. stop playing! (laughs) He laughs hysterically. I open the wooden gate from the side of the house. Instantly, I'm greeted with clouds of cannabis smoke filling my lungs with the haze. Yo, what up, homie? We've been waiting for your ass. Edgar says in a jovial mood. I greet him with a handshake and start swinging at him in a lighthearted manner. Horseplay. I then spot two shadowy figures in the dark, only illuminated from their glowy cigarettes radiating an orange aurora. They begin to walk towards us. Oh shit, Alex and Johnny, is that you? Hey, we decided to pay you vatos a visit. They replied with their arms open. Wow, it's been years since I've seen these two. I grew up with these guys. I swear, we were always getting into some dumb shit, but regardless, I had nothing but love for them. Blood brothers, by all means. Alex, the chubbier one, was always rocking Dodgers jersey and known for his thick black mustache and no-nonsense talk. Johnny, on the other hand, was a classic cholo. Bald head, white tank top, eager to get anything that'll give him a thrill. Some may say a toxic combination. We set up shop in his backyard, nothing but foldable tables, beers, and shaky house chairs. The time is now 1am and my buzz is getting the best of me. It suddenly hit me to ask about his text from earlier that day. Yo Edgar, what do you mean by this hey? I show him my phone. He looks at me puzzled. Hey. Hey. Yeah, you texted me around 6 and said hey. He gives the look to Alex. Alex, looking incredibly confused, wiped the foamy beer from his mustache and said to me, Yo, homie, we actually have something to show you. Johnny laughing says, Fuck, fool. We actually wanted to share something with you together. We can be unstoppable. At this point, I'm feeling unsettled. They point to a shed in the back and give a nod. I walk over to it and as I'm walking closer I begin to hear a whisper 
What's odd is that I feel it inside my brain and not necessarily hearing it through my ears, as if my body's tapping into an alien state. Tap, tap, I hear. I walk up to the shed and stand there for a solid minute, contemplating whether I should even open the door. I start to panic internally, but manage to hold my composure. Besides, I need to know what was on the other side. Open Edgar it! was yelling in the background. I take a deep breath and open the door. What I saw was beyond belief. Glowing in a magnificent red hue was the glass candle. One you may commonly find in an altar, but this one was different. Immediately, I felt a heavy warmth through my body and my eyes become fixated in a trance-like state. I felt lust swarm through my body and begin to hear the whispering in my head again. It didn't say anything I could possibly understand, but I knew, almost in an instinctual level, that it wanted to satisfy. It wanted to tell me secrets. It wanted to give me everything. Edgar then grabbed me from behind and pulled me from out the shed. What the fuck was that, Edgar? What was that shit? He then tells me. You know that day? That day that my fucking mom killed herself. Well, that day, the cops found this candle in her closet along with the note. And she said the candle was the reason for all her problems. And that the only way to end the curse was to bury it. I took it as some junkie shit. She said the candle couldn't be destroyed. The day of her funeral, I had it laid next to her head. I nodded frantically. At this point, Edgar was sobbing, effusively. Edgar began to confess. I then caught Alex and Johnny. They were both down a dig. He explained to me that he started hearing the candle in his dreams, telling him to dig. Edgar cried. Look at him in disbelief, barely able to hold a thought. Not feeling like I could take any more, I then rush into the shed and quickly blow out the lit candle. Fuck this. Darkness then consumed the shed for a brief 10 seconds or so. I hear absolutely silence. I begin to yell. Edgar, Alex, Johnny. No response. Suddenly the shed starts trembling and I begin to feel a piercing screech inside of my head. I cover my ears with both hands but nothing seems to help. I begin to scream. Then I see a flash. Confused, I wake up. Still in the backyard, the sun is rising and I hear a lawnmower starting up. Was that just a dream? I get up from off the ground and start walking towards the sliding door to his house. Edgar! No response. I hear weeping coming from the hall. I cautiously walk Reaching the bedroom door, I notice Edgar standing still. He was holding an object in his hand. Hey. And then all of this began. All this fucking shit. My curse that I can't sleep at night. The police report says that they found two bodies in Edgar's closet and another stuff inside his fridge. His wife. Talking about it sends chills down my spine and the tapping. All I hear is tapping. It's coming from behind my closet door. And I have a feeling I know what's behind it.
housebound. Tristan had always wondered why his mother never left the house. Slender fingers would bathe him, prepare his food for school, and tuck him in bed, but never hold his hand beyond the bones of their home. At the age of seven, Tristan's father explained to him in a way the kid would understand that his mother suffered from agoraphobia. It's when someone's scared to leave their house. But why? I'll explain to you more someday, okay, sport? Blonde haired boy could not only nod in response, sensing the defeat in his father's voice. A routine of education and home compromised the child's life. His mother would pack his food, and his father would drive him to school before making his way to work. It was the same thing on weekdays. Tristan would kiss his mom goodbye before situating himself in the car first as he waited for his dad to emerge from the front door. Some days it would be quick and some days it felt endless. The turning of the knob, the ever-constant image. Nearby friends would have been nice if not for the location of the residence. Instead of a view of other houses and neighborhoods, Tristan was left to stare at towering trees and the occasional woodland creatures. Some nights during dinner, Tristan swore that he saw the longing for the outside world in his mother's eyes. And some nights, those longings turned to tears. It broke his heart before he even knew what heartbreak was. Change soon came when his mother became bedridden, leaving his father to take up responsibility of preparing his nourishments as the kitchen was busy being used. Tristan's father instructed him to bid farewell to his mother, which the boy followed. A warm, soft hug soon engulfed his little body before his mother gave him a piece of paper and told him to give it to his teacher as soon as he arrived to school. Tristan recognized the torn sheet as one from his notebook, but failed to name the red ink. Puzzlement occupied his mind, but his tongue made no movement to question it. It's just a letter thanking her for teaching you so much. Don't tell your dad, okay? Like the good boy that he was, Tristan followed the paper into the size that would fit his pocket before kissing and hugging his mom farewell. A promise so sacred laced his tongue as he was bound to his destination. Tiny feet throttled the halls before his fingers reached and grabbed the paper that was being awaited by his teacher's palm. The older woman's hazel eyes scanned the letter before darting to Tristan's. The boy sensed fear in them as his stomach felt uneasy. A thank you left the woman's mouth along with the reassuring smile. The next thing Tristan knew, their teacher was out of the door before another teacher watched over them. Instant. Heels battered the floor as a woman rushed to the principal's office. And without the basic readings of respect, the letter was read by another set of eyes. Please keep Tristan with you. Not safe at home. He's already cut off my legs.